Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, May 6, 2021. I am Graham G.S.M. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. And it's been a pretty busy week in the world of wrestling between AEW's Blood and Guts show last night, Daniel Bryan's status with WWE, pretty newsworthy edition of NXT on Tuesday. And we're going to get to all of that soon enough. But before then, we have another awesome exclusive interview here on the show today. You won't be able to see him, but you can hear him. The one, the only, John Cena, one half of the hosts uh, for Wipeout, airing right now on TBS every single Thursday. I'm pretty sure it's still on the air. We conducted this interview back in early April. It dropped on Bleacher Report a few weeks after that, and uh, it's been up on my YouTube channel for a few weeks now, but I thought I would share the audio here on the show this week because it was a great conversation. John is an awesome individual, and I thought I would share that interview here on the show this week because he was absolutely fantastic, but it was a really cool interview, and uh, how can I not share the audio of my interview with the 16-time WWE World Champion, John Frickin' Cena. So that's going to be coming up momentarily. And then my conversation with Mr. Marceau, breaking down all the latest in the world of wrestling. If you guys want to check out all the latest WrestleRant Radio shows, you could do so by checking out WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Podbean. You can, there in all those different places, you can rate the show, review the show, and subscribe to the show. Never miss an episode every single Thursday. You can also find me on the socials at WrestleRant on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews and also on YouTube at YouTube.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. So coming up with the interviews, we have one more next week that I know of. Um, this past week, I talked to Isaiah Swerve Scott for... NXT, you know, that brand that he's a part of, obviously, uh, for NXT on Tuesday. That was a very cool, very cool conversation. That went up on the YouTube channel on Tuesday. I talked to Braun Strowman, who's... The audio of that interview I'll likely be sharing next week here on the show before Backlash. Probably. And if not, I, I probably will be. I have another interview next week, but that probably won't be dropping until Thursday, maybe Friday. So I might save that for the week after Backlash, but I'll share more info on that um, as it kind of comes along. But the Braun Strowman interview was a lot of fun. If you want to check that out before next week here on the show, you can do so by visiting Bleach Report. You can read it in article form and in audio form over on my YouTube channel again, youtube.com backslash Graham GSM Matthews. So once again, guys, here's my interview with the one, the only John Cena talk and all things WWE WrestleMania, which it was recorded beforehand. So that's why we talk about WrestleMania in the future presence and in, in the future sense. But we talk about WrestleMania, his status with WWE, Roman Reigns, Vince McMahon, hosting, wipeout, and so much more. So please welcome at this time my very special guest, the one, the only, the illustrious John Cena. Hey, John, how are you, man? How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? 
doing excellent. Wipeout came back last week, the big premiere, awesome show. Came back to monster numbers too, dude. It was really impressive to see that after such a long layoff. We haven't seen the show on the air in such a long time. You come back co-hosting the show, great success. Do you feel a sense of satisfaction when you see success like that for a show like Wipeout with the monster numbers that it did? Or is it on to the next thing type of thing, or is it a bit of both there? I think it's well said that it's a bit of both. Um... I'm trying to be better every day about allowing joy in my life, and you know uh, I really have a lot of a lot of heart and soul in, in Wipeout. Nicole and I really had a lot of fun making the show, and we were really very much uh, involved and into it. And um, to to know that a lot of people were entertained by it, it, it gives you the same sense of satisfaction as a uh, you know going out in the WWE ring and, and having a good match, whether it's on television or it's untelevised or it's uh, a large event like WrestleMania just to know that for the audience that watched they were entertained that's um that's a good plus but it's uh those who know me i'm not one to rest on my laurels so i certainly do enjoy the moment take a lot of satisfaction from that knowing the hard work that went into it and i hope the season uh continues at that sort of pace but um well hopefully it's it's good news and we can work on a bigger better uh re-debut of white house yeah, 100%. I think the cool thing about the show, too, is that it's so it, it's similar enough to where it gets the Wipeout vibe from years ago, but it's also different enough, too. With your involvement with the show, was it like a conscious effort to make it, you know, to put your own spin on the show and be different than the host that came before you? Well, you know, we wanted to keep the spirit of the show lighthearted. Uh, I think that the people at TBS realized that Nicole and I were, you know, we both were passionate about also being in front of the contestants. I think that's important. Um, man, I, I wish I wish we had a little bit more of that. Uh, I think that's really special. Um, but I think Nicole and I both enjoy hosting, and the fact that the show hasn't lost its ability to laugh at itself, I think that's what makes it special, because if you break it down, you, you have a, a very difficult obstacle course, and people taking these spectacular falls and us as hosts and us at home enjoying that. So it's, it's, it's usually something that you turn away from, but, you know, epic fails are epic fails for a reason. And I think the, the fact that the contestants of Wipeout embrace this, we as hosts embrace it, and the viewers embrace it, it really leads for a very, very fun experience. And I I like that. I like that they've made the, the course different, the gameplay a little different. Like you said, they've kept the roots of it. But it, the thing I like most about it is it hasn't lost its ability to laugh at itself, which makes it okay for you as a viewer to laugh along with. Yeah, 100%. And I think the cool thing, too, is that with yourself, for WWE fans and just fans of John Cena in general, we haven't seen you do a ton of hosting inside the WWE world. You've hosted a variety of stuff outside of the ring. Uh, in WWE, you never had your own talk show segment for the most part. You were always a man of the people, always a promo guy. Uh, how much did WWE, in, in cutting promos and doing stuff like that, scripted promos, unscripted promos, prepare you for this opportunity? I will expand your question and say that my tenure in WWE has prepared me for much more of my life than you would ever imagine. That that goes greatly outside the parentheses of professional life. Yeah, I mean, it, it's incredible, too, just with what we've seen so far with the show, your work on Wipeout. It, it, it's like just a seamless transition there. It, there's just no 
uh, there's there's no difference between you and the WWE world, seeing you on Wipeout, and you just took to it like a duck to water, so to speak. It's been really cool to see you in that role. Um, if there were any WWE performers, past or present, that you think could fare well in the Wipeout world, who do you think it would be? Oh, man, I think Ricochet would do really good. I think AJ Styles would do good. Uh, the entire cast of 205 Live, uh, any any of the high flyers, the, the course is made to test test your agility, uh, gymnastics ability. I really, uh, yeah, I, I would give it to that group uh, or anybody that, that falls close to that that group. I think um, contestants like myself, some of the some of the, the more heavyweight guys, I don't know, or the the guys who are uh, Michael Cole's the uh, unorthodox, I guess is the right word for that. I think we'd have more of a challenge. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm not sure if I can envision The Undertaker doing the obstacle course and getting hit by the big red balls and everything else that comes with it. But, you know, like you said, I think Ricochet and AJ Styles would be, you know, would be a perfect fit for that show. Um, with Wipeout itself as well, you know, it, it, it's honestly like kind of a, uh, with Wipeout, you can kind of apply it to real life too, people wiping out left and right. As long as you get back up and finish the course, that's all that matters. You know, you talk about that a lot on your Twitter and uh, all the positive messages you put out there, which I'll ask you about in a second. But is there any one Wipeout of your career, whether it be, I mean, you could take it literally and say like an in-ring botch or something along those lines, or a situation where you had to find yourself to kind of battle back, finish the course, that type of thing. What would that be for you? Oh, I, I'm, heck, man, I go through those daily. Um, I think the most consistent one, and I was just speaking to somebody about this the other day, is my love affair with weight training. Uh, that's been, I started when I was 12, I'll be 44 this month. So that's 32 years of failure every day. You, you walk in there with high spirits and I've never been involved with something that you get so excited about failure. You push your body until it fails, and then you bask in the in the beautiful exhaustion. So, as far as failing uh, on a regular basis, I think um, my love affair with weightlifting started me uh, familiarized me with failure, and uh, familiarized me with the concept of through failure comes uh, true success. Absolutely. I mean, that's only one of the, you know, some of the words of wisdom that we've heard from yourself on Twitter over the years. It seems like every day when someone logs into Twitter, such as myself, we see a new positive message from you. It's always a great way to kick off the day. You always help someone get through the day way more than I think you know, which is awesome with the reach that you have. A little bit about your approach to Twitter. I know you followed a lot of your fans, which is awesome. I just want to hear a little bit about that and your approach to Twitter over the last couple of years, because it's really inspiring. Yeah, well, you know, we always talk about, um, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a few questions there. We always talk about followers. How many people are following me? Um, I, I just think it's important. Uh, I, I obviously can't speak to, to everyone because I just there's just not enough minutes in the day. But you want to talk about letting someone know that you're there. I, I, something as simple as hitting a follow button that uh, I can t- I can do a few minutes. You know, at a time if I'm uh, traveling in a car or have some moments to myself or just crafting a message for the day, um, I can follow a group of people that uh, their message, you know, my message resonates with them. They've been following me for a while. Um, they seek out positivity and motivation. Uh, they're, they're willing to lean into uncomfortable subject matter. Like, um, I, I enjoy following people. Um, 
I'm, I'm very grateful for everyone who, you know, looks at those messages because it's the reason, uh, among other things, that the, the two new books are out, which are, that I'm very proud of those because it's kind of a culmination or like a greatest hits of four years of, of Twitter journaling. But um, that, I think, it, I think following folks and, and listening to folks and, and recognizing their existence is just as important, if not more important, than people following you. Um, and my approach to social media is to keep. I, I, people say, "Well, I like it. I don't like it. I enjoy um, what I do with social media because it keeps me creative." Um, I use Twitter, obviously, to, to promote things like anyone else. So right now, I, I feel bad. I'm actually probably going to apologize to everybody soon for the amount of promotion that's going on. But there's, you know, there's just a lot of good stuff that's going on in my life, and I appreciate that. There's, there's, a, there's been a whole lot of dry spells and a whole lot of not so good stuff. So I'm just trying to, you know, um, running, running the shoes that are fast right now. I guess uh, I, I'm not sure. Um, but I also use it as like a daily journal, and uh, it's it's very much on my mind that I should be accountable for what I say. And I think a, a lot of the existence on social media is um, is brash, it's abrasive, it's argumentative, and I think it is that way because it gives us a lack of accountability. We kind of just say whatever we want and not not be held accountable for it. Uh, it to me, it's it reinforces my self-worth. It, me- it means more to me. If I can reach anybody, that's great. And I, I appreciate you saying that, you know, it-, it brightens up your day and that hopefully a lot of people feel the same. That's cool. But I, I do it for me. I do it for me because um, of a lot of things. It, it, uh, like it-, it increases my self-worth. It makes me accountable. If I say all these things and, and the-, the world can see them, I can be someone who is just all talk and BS, or I can be someone who, you know, walks the talk, which I think is, is very important. And uh, I didn't get a reputation at WWE for being the most gifted technician. That's far outside of my grasp. But certainly, whether people enjoyed what I did or not, I think that they would say that I walked the talk. I love the company I work for, and I, I say I love, not love work, not work, uh, because I, you know, I have been, I am, I always will be a WWE superstar, and I don't think there's anyone that that can debate uh, my passion or values for the for the product, the company, or, or, or kind of how I live my life, and this is just an extra degree of accountability that, uh, that it kind of gives me. Yeah, definitely. That's such a great approach and such a great way to look at it, too, and I think really inspiring for a lot of people to kind of look at it as... You know, you're just doing it for yourself, and that it helps a lot of other people in the process. That if you kind of write it down, hold yourself accountable, then you know, a positive attitude and a positive mindset results in positive results. So it's always a great way to look at it. But you mentioned being a WWE superstar. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you. We got WrestleMania this coming weekend. I know you said at the beginning of WrestleMania season, obviously you're busy with everything right now. Wipeout, the Peacemaker show, and everything else that's going on. Suicide Squad uh, promotion and whatnot. Um, this will be the first WrestleMania that you're going to miss in person in. Uh, no, 15, 20 years since WrestleMania 18, 19. How crazy is it to not be a part of WrestleMania season this year for the first time in almost 20 years? No, it, it's great um, because, you know, uh, 
we all have, we all have a window. You know, we all have an existence. And I think um, I love listening to, to Steve Austin talk about you know his window. Um, my goal when I step foot in the WWE is to leave it better than I found. And um, it's it's really great to to be able to see an event, and it, I almost had the best transition you could possibly have because my last two WrestleManias were a, a very interesting, almost cinematic type uh, match. And before that, I was a fan. I got to sit in the crowd and see WrestleMania, so I got to see product. I got to see a stadium full of fans and it was beautiful and like I felt at home. I'm, I'm always a fan and I'm going to watch the two nights as a fan and I'm going to enjoy and I won't feel any regret. I won't, I won't fear, feel as if I'm missing out. I'm currently in Vancouver shooting a show for HBO Max that is a spinoff of a character that no one's seen. Like, you want to talk about opportunity. Man, that's... I don't know why I would want to be anywhere else. I want to be where, I'm, where I am doing what I'm doing. That's why I've made that choice. Um, I, I, I think it's really special, and I think it's, it's brilliant. And, and it just... We all, we all think, you know, they're never going to going to go on without it. That's not true. And it's just, it's more reassuring to me to see not only that WWE has a life after me, which is inevitable for sure, because it is then, now, and forever, but that its life is thriving. There are so many great storylines, so many great matchups, and the event will be great. And, you know, for the two nights, there's going to be an audience for the first time in a while, and I, I'm just, re I'm really excited for the people who are there, the people watch, which I'll be one, and certainly the performance. Uh, and it's called WrestleMania. It's not called Cena-mania. You know? <laughs> so I've, I've been a part, only a part, and that part is over. And it's time for... Uh, this is this is an epic one. I, 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 I'm really looking forward to it, actually. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one, we'll say. Uh, final two questions for you, John. When, when you let them know that you won't be a part of WrestleMania this year, I know last year you were a part of it. Before that, you were the Dr. Thugonomics, which I was there for. It was such a great moment when you came out to confront Elias with that character. Uh, what's that conversation like? Do you talk to Vince on a regular basis? What's your relationship with him like after, you know, 20 years after debuting in the company? Uh, Vince McMahon to me is, is um, more than anyone can realize. He's a, a close friend, a mentor, a father figure. A father figure. Um, man, he's, uh, he, he, he means a tremendous amount to me. I don't know if I'll ever be able to contextualize how how much I love him and how much he means to me. So uh, it's, it's also appreciative that someone like that understands what I'm doing and, and approaches my choices with empathy rather than apathy. Uh, the guy who runs the joint isn't saying, well, well, screw him. Get down here. It's on a weekend. I know you're not working. He approaches those choices with empathy. Of this is a great opportunity for you, John. You're always a part of this family, and if you do well, we all do well. And I reciprocate the empathy, of course, wanting 
wanting the WWE to thrive. That's why I invested so much of my blood, sweat, and tears. I I don't want to. I don't want to see it fall off. I want to see. I want to see it be everywhere. I want to see it be larger. I want to see it have more success. I want. I want people to look back and not say like, "Oh man, it was great when." I want people to say, "Oh, that you know, he kind of he kind of opened the door for what's going on now." Absolutely. Again, a great way to look at it, too. Final question for you, John. You look at the success of a guy like Roman Reigns, who's kind of followed in your footsteps in the WWE world. What he's doing right now is the heel. I know you've mentioned before you're beyond busy right now with all the projects that you're currently a part of. And every single thing that you do, whether it be a movie, a show, hosting, you're so damn likable. I mean, everyone always talks about, oh, we should have gone heel all these years ago. But you're so damn likable. It's almost hard to envision you in that role, although I know it almost happened about a decade ago. When you see a guy like Roman Reigns go heel, first of all, what are your thoughts on that? If you've caught any of his work as the head of the table stuff, and do you ever see yourself... Uh, you know, experimenting with that down the road now that you're in a different stage of your career, whenever it is that you come back. There's a lot there. Uh, first of all, Roman is, is walking in his own steps. He falls in no one's footsteps. I know what it's like to, this happens every time a marquee uh, attraction is, is moved on. Uh, I went through it. You know, everybody uh, said it's Steve and the Rock and um, I understand that. But Roman is, is crafting his own path, and I think it's very important to, to say that, and he's doing a great job. I feel this is the best he's ever been, and that comes with comfort. I don't know what got him over that hill, but he is over that hill, and that's a very important one to jump over. Um, it happened to me in the transition from ruthless aggression guy to the hip-hop guy, where I just had zero fucks to give and went out there comfortable with who I was and and comfortable even if it failed, t- taking brave choices and those those brave choices never stopped and are, aren't stopping today as I you know continually try to challenge myself. Roman has hit that point and that is for audiences, that's a beautiful point. Because now he's gonna challenge himself to entertain audiences in ways they didn't think he was capable of. So I'm I'm very, very impressed with Roman among other people in the WWE roster, how brave they've become. And I, I honestly think it may be because there's no live audience. This would be the toughest obstacle for me to overcome, but I think it really has brought the best out in people because they've had to, to redefine themselves and they can't lean on the energy of the audience on their performance. It is it's them out there. So Sometimes performers can go out there and false hear the noise. They hear a few people cheer and they think it was fantastic. Now they have to be in the product and they have to see the result. And they're, they're really, you can't use that as, 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 a, as a blindfold, I guess. And, and it's actually it's brought the best out of people. And I, I can't wait for people to return to arenas. But I think this spell has been good for a lot of performers because it really is They've been faced with that um, obstacle of searching deep within themselves to find out who they really are. And that alone, who you are, defining who you are, uh, dictates the performance success of it. John, I appreciate the time. Thanks for being an inspiration, my man. Graham, thank you very much. I'm sorry to rush you off the phone. I usually give everybody one last question when they get shooed off the phone. 
No, it's no worries, John. I know you're a busy guy, so I appreciate it so, so much. I, I really do. I look forward to talking in the future. Thanks for the time today. Just an awesome conversation with John. Really appreciate his time. You guys could check out the full article right now on Bleach Report for more of my interview with John Cena. So at this time, let's welcome on Mr. Marceau to talk about AEW. We're going to talk about Raw, NXT, Daniel Bryan, status, Dario Cueto, and so much more. Mr. Marceau, brother, how you doing? Doing good, GSM. Excited for Dark Side of the Rings return tonight? Oh, I'm so pumped. I already saw the... Uh... First hour on YouTube, so I gotta make sure I tape the second hour tonight. You know, I'm the type of person that would like to wait until the whole thing is out to binge it at the same time, or like when it airs live tonight on Vice. But I, I couldn't help myself. I watched the first part of the Benoit one. They did the exact same thing last year with season two when they put out part one of the Benoit episode um, right before it aired on YouTube, like a week beforehand, and it gets people talking about it. So I think it's really, I think it's really smart. And um, this episode looks great. I, th- I saw part one. It was very, very well done. Part two tonight should be great. And all I got to say about it so far is uh, fuck Melanie. Yeah, Melanie's definitely coming off as a heel. I mean, <laughs> I, I think, it, I mean, she's obviously coming off as a heel here. But, I mean, clearly Brian was in the wrong as well. I mean, it doesn't sound like he was the greatest family man of all time. I mean, it seems like he had a few uh, mistresses, uh, got married a few times, had uh sexual relations with other women as well so i mean definitely she's coming off as a heel like i was listening to uh Cornette and he was interviewing the two uh two producers of dark side of the ring and he oh. mentioned how he said that they actually went pretty easy on her so far he said that if they wanted to they could have really buried her i guess she had a very notorious uh, reputation in the wrestling uh business are you talking about the same two producers that had to sit outside of Cornette's house for a week in a trailer before they got into his house to be interviewed? Yes. <laughs> Amazing. But, uh, yeah, Cornette's all over the show. I am surprised that when you told me that you had not seen a lot of the other episodes, I was shocked by that because I thought when we spoke about this last year, which we talked about almost every episode as they aired last year here on the show when the pandemic first started, had you seen every episode of season two? I thought you did. I saw all the episodes of season two. I didn't see a lot of season one. Okay, so you have since seen which ones? You watched the Von Erichs one. Watched the Von Erichs one. I saw the Gino Hernandez one. Um, I saw I saw I saw the uh, Screwjob one already. I'm trying to think what else ones. That one has I've a lot of Cornette. Which one? Yeah, I've seen all of season two. And all of season two. Which one did you see after the Screwjob? Uh, Gino. I said Gino Hernandez. Um. Uh, you said Von Erichs. You didn't see the Macho Man the... one, did you? No, I did not. There's a Macho Man one. There is the Bruiser Brody one. Might be the best one from that season. That's a great episode. Um, that one's worth checking out. And also the Fabulous Moolah one. That piece of shit. They did a great episode on her as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that one's worth checking out. So yeah, you can watch them all. I think all of season one is available on YouTube, if I'm not mistaken. If not on YouTube, then on their website. They might have taken them down, but I think it's also on Hulu, so all the episodes are all over the place, including season two. It's such a great show. From what you know so far about season three, aside from the Brian Pillman episode airing in its entirety tonight as we talk, are there any other episodes that you're looking forward to hearing about? Um, I'm pretty excited for the plane ride from hell. That's going to be in the second part of the season, I guess. Definitely excited for that. Um, I mean, the Warrior one, I'm interested to see how that one's going to get covered. I feel like 
it's kind of going to be a mix of the self-destruction and then like the happy-go-lucky, <laughs> everything's great ultimate award. I don't, day, so. I, I don't even think it's going to be a mix of that, dude. I think it's going to be entirely the negative show. I, I, have you been uh, watching any of the A&E documentaries at all or no? I saw the Stone Cold one. I have the Piper and Macho Man one tape, but I haven't seen them yet. I haven't seen any of them yet, but did you... So you saw the Stone Cold one. Did they mention the fact that yeah. he beat up his wife at some point or no? <laughs> I assume they didn't. No, they did not. They did not. <laughs> I didn't think so. So this is what I'm saying. I tweeted this out a couple days ago. The funny thing is that they too, dude, have a warrior documentary out um, in the next couple of weeks, I believe. They put out a Macho Man one on Sunday. They completely buried the guy. Like, they had brought up all of his issues. I didn't watch it. That's solely from what I heard. So why they would go so hard on... I mean, I guess because Macho Man's gone. I mean, Piper is too, but Piper didn't leave the company on bad terms. I guess Macho Man did. They never really made up, whatever. Um, they buried Macho Man. They kind of spoke more about his personal life than they did with Austin and with Piper, which was a little weird. More so Austin because he has some dark side of the ring aspects too. So it's going to be very interesting to see <laughs> how they cover the Warrior compared to how dark side of the ring does. And as a big Warrior fan, I'm very interested to see how that goes down. Oh, the Dark Side of the Ring one, I think it's going to be bad, but we'll see what happens. I mean, it's called Dark Side of the Ring, so I, I can see why. Um, but, like, the Nick Gage one, I mean, doesn't really interest me too much, but I'll definitely watch that one. Um, I'm trying to think what else is this season. Grizzly Smith, I mean, that guy sounds like a piece of shit, so I can't wait to hear that one. <laughs> um, and, I mean, the Korea Collision in Korea, I don't even really know, like, what the dark side of it really was, so I'm interested to learn more about that as well. Yeah, no, there's a couple of them that I really don't know what they're about, and I'm surprised they're doing one on Nick Gage and also one on that promotion called FMW, which was, I think, famous for the uh, barbed wire deathmatch and the exploding barbed wire deathmatch and whatever. It's kind of two hardcore wrestling episodes in the same season. I don't give a fuck about hardcore wrestling. One episode is enough on the promotion itself. I don't really know about a lot. I don't know a lot about Nick Gage, but he's still involved with wrestling today, it's not like a New Jack episode. Did you, you saw the New Jack episode, right? That bat chick. Yeah, I saw the New Jack one. Yeah, I saw the New <laughs> Jack one. Say. So it's not like that where like he's gone and I don't know. I haven't heard a lot about Nick Gage to where they would need to devote an entire episode to him. Maybe they were just running out of topics. I don't know. But maybe that was the filler episode because they wanted to do China. But because there's another documentary coming out about China soon, I guess maybe that's why they couldn't do it. So I think she was pegged to be part of the season too, but they had to cut it because... I guess the the person in charge of her estate or whatever didn't want her to be a part of the show. I mean, yeah, I don't think you would want someone to talk badly about you if you're dead. So <laughs> maybe maybe another season. I don't know, but those that's what I'm looking for. I think it'll be good though. I, I I'm very interested to see how it goes. I'm interested to see with the warrior one. Like uh, they're doing one on the warrior, so it's not like with the China one where they're saying no, no, we, we won't allow you to do that. Like. Will the wife be involved? Like, I assume the wife will be involved. Uh, the widow of the warrior will be involved in the A and E one. Like, will she be on this one too? Like, that's my question. I'm interested to see how many people we see on both of them. Like, could you imagine seeing the same person in both documentaries and on the A and E one? They're like, oh yeah, no, such a positive person and left such an su- left such an impact on the business. And then you see him on the dark side of the ring one. They're like, yeah, no, the guy was a piece of shit. Like, he offered nothing to the company at all. Like, I can only imagine. <laughs> I don't think they'll do that, but you never. know. No, like, it depends who they have interviewed for this yet, so I'm very intrigued. It's a great show, and I can't recommend it enough. 
Um, we got to talk about the biggest news coming out of Wednesday, though, before we get into anything. Wednesday was a very newsworthy day in the world of wrestling from blood and guts, and Daniel Bryan apparently reportedly being a free agent as of last Friday, but the news broke yesterday via, uh, via Fightful. But the biggest news coming out of wrestling on Wednesday was not the Daniel Bryan stuff, not blood and guts, but rather, I don't know if you heard about this, dude, the return of Dario Cueto to the world of wrestling on MLW. Have you heard about this, Mr. Marceau? I saw your tweet this morning. Who gives a shit about Blood and Guts and Daniel Bryan now that Dario Cueto is back in wrestling after a multi-year absence? The fact that nobody scooped him up before now is a goddamn shame for how great of a character that guy was on the original Lucha Underground. I'm so glad he's back. I don't even watch MLW, but I might have to go out of my way to watch it now. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely a big part of Lucha Underground. I mean, I, I can see why people wouldn't hire him. I mean, I feel like he kind of only works in that kind of that kind of setting. But, I mean... Wow. So I, it's the, he's, he's an actor. I would love to see him on Raw. Hey, he, anything is better than the Adam Pearce, Sonya Deville bullshit. Oh, I love it. Give me more of it. <laughs> I got to check that out. I saw the vignette, though, when it went live after MLW Fusion's episode last night. And it looks cool, so... Um, I know you don't watch MLW. I don't really watch it either, but Cornette speaks highly of it, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, here's the... I guess he used to do commentary for that. <laughs> Was that another bridge he burned before he said something he shouldn't have? No, he, they left, he left on good terms. Ah, left on good terms. Okay, it wasn't the NWA situation. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but yeah, no, seriously, let's get into the news and notes from uh, the world of wrestling on Wednesday, starting with the Daniel Bryan stuff, and then we'll get to blood and guts, but... Daniel Bryan, that we don't really talk about SmackDown a whole lot here on the show just because SmackDown obviously airs on Fridays. We talk on Thursdays. Um, you know, I know you had praise for the Universal Championship main event as well from SmackDown last week, but it was Bryan's last match in WWE officially as his contract reportedly per Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful expired on Friday night right after the matchup at midnight. So Daniel Bryan is officially a free agent, free to sign wherever he wants. He could very well re-sign a new WWE contract tomorrow. Um, but before we even get into the free contract or the free agency stuff with Bryan, what were your thoughts, Mr. Marceau, on the Universal Championship match last week between Bryan and Roman Reigns on SmackDown? Well, I loved it. It was great. I mean, that, that's that's a real main event right there. I mean, just two guys. I mean, Roman's doing the best work of his career. Daniel's been great. I mean... They have great chemistry. I think they they had a few other matches. The match at Fastlane was really good, and um, them at WrestleMania was a good uh, chemistry as well. So great match. Um, interesting to see what they do with Brian. I mean, I don't think he'll be leaving the company. Um, I just, I mean, they've been good to him. They let him come back. I mean, if he really wanted to leave the last time, he would have left, but he didn't. So we'll see what happens with him. But I, I think I think he'll stay with the company. I mean, maybe he'll go to Raw, NXT, or maybe. Maybe they'll still sign him and let him maybe do small appearances. They, I mean, I've seen rumors lately that they're kind of, or yeah, there are rumors that they're ticked that people are giving them a hard time that they're not working with other organizations. So maybe he pops up at like a Ring of Honor or MLW, even though he's under WWE contract and just kind of poking around there, kind of getting them more buzz and maybe do a little talent trade somewhere around the line. But I mean, that's what I would do with him if, if I was running the company. Well, back to the match itself for a second. I thought it was a great main event, one of the better TV matches I've seen from this company all year. They did a great job with it, made it out to be a big deal, which was awesome. 
Um, Roman Reigns also has new music. I don't want that to be overshadowed as well. He has new entrance music after a very long time of being a heel now. Uh, what were your initial impressions of it? I saw some people that hated it, some people loved it. I personally really like it, but uh, what were your two cents on the new theme for the uh, for the Tribal Chief on SmackDown? No, oh, I love it. I, at first, I was a little blown away. I was like, what the hell? And then I was like, oh, this is great. I just, It's good that he finally has his own music because it gives him his own identity. He's not like kind of... I mean, it is kind of it has some of like shield aspect in it, but like now that he has his own music, I, I, I dig it. I think it's great, and um, you know, it is definitely different from the shield music, but his cadence is similar. It's not like some. I don't even want to say rock song because the Shield song was kind of rock too, but um, it's definitely different. It does give me Messiah Seth Rollins vibes, but like in a good way. And I think it matches the character perfectly. It gives me like epic final boss vibes, so I think it fits him to perfection. But back to Daniel Bryan, you said that he would stay. He's officially a free agent. Do you think he can work out a deal that he's been proposing lately where he can work with other promotions? And you mentioned Ring of Honor and MLW. To what extent does this work out? Like, do we see him in Impact well with WWE? Do we see him in AEW? Like, to what extent do you think that would be worked out to? I think it would just be probably those two companies I just said before. I just, I mean, I don't think he'd work with Impact just because they have a relationship with AEW, and I, I doubt if he was under WWE contract, they'd let him go to AEW anyway. So, if, like I said, if I was them, if he wanted to kind of poke around a little bit and go to other places and they are fine with that, I would just, like I said, have him go to like maybe show up on a Ring of Honor, show up on MLW, maybe have some of their guys come to get NXT or Raw SmackDown for a little bit. Just like the little talent sharing doesn't hurt. I think it could be great. And obviously not putting them on every week would be ideal, but I know WWE likes to do that. So but that's what I would do. I mean, get them some exposure. And like I said, you can have some of their bigger guys uh, come on the Raw SmackDown, maybe have a couple one-offs or get involved somewhere, but that's what I would do with them. I mean, if he wants to go and wrestle a little bit more, those two companies are just something that they don't really have a full-fledged alliance, so why not Why not get involved with them? And I mean, I wouldn't hate it to see uh, Jacob Fatu come out and help Roman Reigns. I know that. <laughs> what about, um? who was the other guy I was thinking of? What, are the cops coming after you? <laughs> There's an ambulance passing, man. Oh, God. Uh, it's it's probably come for me with my mark out itis when uh, Daniel Bryan shows up in New Japan. Do you think that could happen, or do you think they're probably off the table because they're associated with AEW? I think they're I think they're off the table as well. I think him and a him and really anywhere would be great. I'm not even saying just AEW, but um, I don't know. I'm not as convinced as I was a week ago that he's staying, just because based off of comments that he's made. I think he could very well test the waters elsewhere. And the thing is, is that even if he went to AEW or an Impact or Ring of Honor or whatever for a a one-off, they would welcome him back with open arms immediately. Like, he doesn't have any burned bridges in WWE. They obviously see him as a top-level talent, as they should. So I I see him going back at some point, but I probably see him going elsewhere first, so... It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, do you think he re-signs in the very near future, like in the next couple of weeks? Or do you think he might be on the free agency independent scene for a little while before making a full-on decision? Mm, I'm not quite sure. Like, so I think they could still re-sign him and he could still pop up somewhere else and, like I said, like have some kind of working relationship and just kind of like, oh my God, Daniel Bryan's at this place, but like he's still technically under WWE's deal, but like letting him do a little bit more on his own because that's what he wants to do. Like I said get more exposure for that company and then possibly bring in someone else. I mean, it seems like it's, it would be easy and special with those companies that they don't really have a set alliance at this point. I mean, that's what I would do, but 
I mean, because, like, say that, like, technically you could just sign a deal, no one really knows, and he pops up at, like I said, Ring of Honor, MLW, work a little bit, and then, like, all of a sudden their guys start showing up on Raw and stuff and SmackDown, NXT, whatever, and then he can then eventually come back somewhere down the line, but I think that would be probably the smartest thing, but I'm not a businessman, so I don't know. <laughs> Do you think his days as a full-time competitor are indeed over? Uh, I think so. I mean, well, if, especially if they start traveling soon, I, I don't think, I don't think he's really down for that at this point of his career. I mean, you know, I don't think you really even really need him to do that. But eh, I, I would say it's, once they start going back to the road, like especially their regular schedule, I would say he's probably done with being a full time performer. So we're getting a full capacity crowd at Double or Nothing, which is obviously still in Florida. Uh, WWE has said that they won't consider going back on the road until at least the summer. With the vaccination out and people getting vaccinated and whatever, do you think WWE specifically could be back on the road by the end of the year? Yeah, it's definitely possible. I mean, especially, I mean, some states are different than others. I know I know, uh, Massachusetts has kind of been one of the higher uh, vaccinated lists. So, I mean, they're talking... I, they're talking for my work that they're hoping to have 100% by August, so wow. anything's possible, I guess. So we'll see what happens, but I think it's just kind of you have to go place by place and kind of see it. I mean, at this point, I would just if I was them, I would just kind of stick in the Florida area. I mean, you don't really need to start going everywhere. I mean, Florida right now, I would just kind of stick around there. Like, yeah, you can go like all the arenas in the area and have people come. Like, go to Miami, Tampa, Orlando. I mean, stick in that kind of area. But, I mean, I don't know, I just, like, I like the Thunderdome, it's just at this point when other things are getting a live crowd back, it just isn't the same, especially with WrestleMania, like, that was great to finally see a crowd back, and, like, having just a few thousand people, that just makes a lot more difference than just, like, piping in fake noise and fake cheers and boos, it just doesn't feel the same. Well, I mean, especially at a point now where, we, like you said, we just had WrestleMania. We know what it's like to have fans back, so to go back to what it was is disappointing. But it's not even just that. It's like AEW is welcoming more and more fans into the buildings. They're at, like, half capacity now for Daly's Place, I'm pretty sure, as of Blood and Guts last night. Like I said, full capacity crowd for um, Double or Nothing in a few weeks in Jacksonville or wherever it is. Even NXT has more fans in the building now than they did six months ago. So even that has more noise and more, you know, organic noise than the main roster shows do. And it doesn't help that Raw is completely fucking terrible. Like, at least SmackDown's a good show. Raw being as bad as it is and having no fans, there is even worse. So I, I would hope at some point they begin the process of going back on the road. As long as it's done safely and in a, in a smart manner, I guess we'll find out probably around SummerSlam time. Uh, to go back to what you were saying before, I, you know, we were kind of on the subject before I kind of went off of it a little bit, but as far as MLW is concerned, the rumors came out about how there could be that feeder system there potentially between WWE and MLW. Now, I think those rumors broke after we spoke last week. Um, do you think there is smoke to that fire of WWE wanting to work with MLW? Because I hear all these reports about, oh, WWE wants to break the stigma of that they can't work with anyone. I don't think they give a shit, so I don't really believe that report, but what say you? Do you think we could see that working relationship at some point, especially with MLW being on TV? Because I feel like they don't really need WWE as much as like Evolve did a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be great. I mean, I don't watch them a lot, but I, I mean, especially from listening to Cornette, it sounds like they have a decent amount of young guys or just new faces that you could put in the WWE or NXT and kind of replenish the pot. I mean, I love NXT, but I feel like having a lot of the same kind of guys just kind of hanging around the tag team division on pretty much any of their shows is kind of just meh. 
they don't really like built anyone up really that new. Like all the NXT guys, I feel like they bring them up. They don't really do much with them. So maybe bringing in these other guys could kind of. I mean, I, I mean, at the end of the day, they could bring them in and do nothing. But I feel like if they're working for another company, and like I said, maybe if they have Brian involved and somehow like give them a little bit of juice, I just. I don't know. I, I think they have some talent that they could be utilizing better. And like I said, just, they just need a little facelift, I feel like WWE does. So putting in some new talent, I think it would never hurts. But just kind of, I guess, booking in the right way always is kind of the end of the day. But I think it I think it'd be, it can't really hurt them. So at this point, Raw can't get any worse, I don't think. So. Yeah, there's actually been a lot of great talents that have come out of MLW and that have gone to NXT over the years. <clears throat> Isaiah Swerve Scott being one of them, Machine Strickland, a couple of years ago when he signed with WWE. Um, other than Jacob Fatu, is there anyone there right now that you know of that you think would be a good fit for WWE at some point? I mean, the Von Erichs would be great. No, the Von Erichs, yeah, it's a great pick, yeah. yeah. Ross and uh, Marshall, they yep. could use them, the tag team division. Um, haven't seen a lot of them, but Cornette talks about Hammerstone. Yeah, Alexander Alex Hammerstone. Hammerstone yeah. I mean, talks about him like he's like the next big thing. So, I mean, haven't seen much of him, but... I mean, that sounds like it'd be pretty cool. I mean, he sounds like he's a star potential. And, I mean, he talks about Fatu like he's, like, Roman Reigns already. So, I mean, we could say. But, no, I mean, I feel like they have some young guys they could definitely implement and kind of replenish the pot a little bit. Would that mean that we get Loki back in NXT? Oh, God, I hope not. He's in MLW? (laughs) Jesus Christmas. I don't know if he still is. He was at one point. They have him. Leo Rush being, I don't know if that would mean that Leo Rush would be back because Leo Rush is there right now killing it. Um, Austin Aries was doing work with him for a while, but I'm pretty sure he's retired or something. He's too busy being a non-vaxxer, so who knows? <laughs> no, he's too bad. He's too busy uh, denying that it's real or some shit. Did you see that shit a couple? This is completely off-topic, but did you see that controversy with him a couple of months ago? And this pains me as a, as a fan of Aries. I mean, I guess former. I'm not really a fan of him now, but did you see that thing with him a couple of months ago where he was like? It was some sort of meet and greet, like WrestleCon. It wasn't WrestleCon, but it was something like that. And he was saying that if you go to meet him, he doesn't want you wearing a mask, unless I'm completely you know, misinterpreting the situation. I'm pretty sure it said that if you come to meet me, I don't want you wearing a mask. Like it's, you would think it'd be the opposite, but that's literally what he said. Cause he doesn't think it's real and it's going to make people afraid or blah, 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 blah. Like how fucking weird is that? Yeah. I think it was like a thing. It was like, if you took a picture with him, you had to take your mask off or some stupid ass. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He's a fucking lunatic. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully he's not an MLW anymore, but, uh, do you know, have you heard the name of filthy Tom Lawler by any chance? I've heard the name, yes. I think he was there. I don't know if he's there now. I've heard good things about him, too. Um, Contra Unit, I think they're pretty good from what I've heard. Again, the fucking... Hey, if Dario Cueto is in MLW and they can get him in NXT, take my fucking money. If William Regal, Dario Cueto face-off between the authority figures, I would need that ambulance that just drove by you five minutes ago. Um, Who was the other one? They have a bunch of people on that roster. They have a very good roster overall. Oh, Loki was there at one point. Oh, man. Like you said, Jacob fought too. He's a good one. Alex Hammerstone's a good one. There was someone else that I was thinking of. I don't remember at the moment. But, yeah, I think any any working relationship between the two companies would be cool. Because, again, Evolve is in the toilet. They signed a bunch of their people that they're just not even using, which is weird. So, I don't know. I guess we'll see as it plays out. But uh, I'm interested to see if there is any truth to it. I, I currently don't think there is. But seeing is believing with WWE... Now, let's get into the other big story from Wednesday night, that being the Blood and Gut Show from Dynamite, which wasn't a one-match show. I mean, it was, but the entire second hour, not the entire two hours, was devoted to the Blood and Guts main event. 
Um, so let's just start there. We won't even go match by match. Let's start with the big and then work our way down here. The Blood and Guts main event itself, Pinnacle, Inner Circle. They made this out to be a huge deal. Uh, we're 40 minutes out from the rating dropping for the show, so if we're still on the line, we'll talk about it. If not, we'll talk about it over text, but I assume this does a big rating because there was nothing on TV last night, no big holiday aside from Cinco de Mayo, and uh, they've been building this up for a while, so this should be, uh, you know, I, I thought this was a really good match. It should be a big rating, but yourself, Mr. Marceau, you had some, you know, praise for it. You had some criticism for it. Break it down for me. What were your thoughts in the Blood and Guts main event from Wednesday night? I thought it was fine. Uh, we discussed this via text and uh, before we started recording here. I just, I thought it was fine. I thought starting off, I mean, uh, Dax and Sammy killed it starting off the match. I got juice right away. Had a nice little one-on-one -on -one matchup. And then, I mean, Sean Spears comes in and I'm just like, oh, Jesus Christ. Nothing against Sean Spears. I just have no interest in him at all. And then, and then, uh, I think we came in next. I don't know, Ortiz or one of them. And then, it just like then that's when the commercials start, so I'm like, okay, you know, they're just gonna get one in, it's fine, you know. Da uh, Cash comes fucking steaming in like a bat out of hell. Thought he was gonna hurt himself, but I'm like, okay, like fine. Then Warlow's about to come in, I'm like, oh yeah, it's gonna be great. Go to commercial. I'm like, okay. <laughs> then Hager, they come out of commercial, and Hager comes in. I'm like, all right. And then MGF comes in, and then they go to another commercial. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, how many commercials are you gonna get? And then like. MGF says to Jericho, when are you getting in, we're going to kick your ass. And then he gets in, and they just split apart. They get on each side, and then they just run like they're, like, playing uh, dodgeball. Like they're running in the circle to grab the balls in the middle. So I died <laughs> laughing at that. And then, like, they went to commercial again when they somehow got out of the cage. I mean, I don't know how they got out of the cage. But, like, they, there was those during picture, bitten picture. And then, like, they fought on top, whatever, and then... I surrender, and then he just tossed him through right off the cage on a crash pad. And I was just like, "Yikes!" I just, I think the commercials for me killed it. I mean, I think if you like watch like, like Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, and they had like three commercials in the middle of it, you've been like, "Eh, like it was fine, but like it just wasn't great." I just think they should have saved it, either for the pay per view or they just sort of trimmed some of the fat off the show. I mean, the show was fine for what it was. Like it was a good show, but like there's a couple things like segments that ran a little bit like they could have trimmed some time off of or like i don't know i just think the commercials for me just killed it for me i, I don't watch picture in picture i have a, a 60 inch tv i don't need to watch a little blurb in the corner of 14 inches i mean <laughs> i have better things to do in my time so th those are just zip through so it is what it is i just think if there was no commercials i probably would have enjoyed it a lot more than i did you know, dude, as someone who watches these shows usually on DVR, I never watch the commercials. So I don't give a fuck if there's picture and picture, picture, picture and picture, or no picture. I don't watch any of it. I just skip right through it. So I asked you beforehand. That's what I do. Yeah, exactly. So how the hell did they get to the top of the cage was my question. Because I, I flipped through one of the commercials, and it's not, it's, I'm not to blame here. I should not be subjected to watching every minute of the action. Um, even in commercial, because you can't hear it anyway. You can barely see it. So, like, even when I'm covering this shit, I never watch that garbage, because you can barely see it, and you can't hear it anyway. So what's even the point? To me, that's, like, it's not canon, so to speak. Like, it doesn't matter. So I, I wouldn't do any big developments during commercial, because it's not like... WWE used to do that thing back in the day where, like, you could watch the shows on their app or something, so it would kind of be, like, an incentive to watch the show via the app. AEW doesn't have that. I think you can watch it without commercials on Fight if it airs, you know, elsewhere, like in the world. Like in England, I don't know if they have commercials, but we do, so I don't know. It's, it's a weird problem. That being said, though, I thought the overall match was good. The commercials were an issue. 
Um, and, and it did hurt the flow, absolutely. And I said this to you before, but I think the reason why they didn't do it on the pay-per-view is because, yes, ideally, yes, you could do it on pay-per-view, and I realized when we were speaking earlier, they did do the stadium stampede match on the fucking pay-per-view last year, and they devoted, like, a lot of time to that. So, you could devote a good chunk of time to, like, you know, doing a match on a pay-per-view. This is why they don't do, like, Iron Man, uh, like, an hour-long Iron Man matches on pay-per-views, because it takes up a whole hour of the pay-per-views for whatever company it is. That's why I don't really do it. And if you do do something like that, you kind of have to trim down the rest of the card. Like, I know in 96, when they did it with Hart and Michaels, they had, like, a five- or six-match card or whatever it was. They would never do that in 2021, whether it's WWE or AEW or whatever. Specifically, when it comes to their biggest show of the year, that being Double or Nothing, and this company has a tendency to squeeze on as many matches as possible into a very short time window so I don't see that happening um I mean I I don't think they would have done that I mean I guess you could have but they wanted to make it more special they wanted to pop a rating hopefully they did I mean people listening have a better idea than we do right now um but other than that though again the match itself I thought they did a good job with the brutality they incorporated the blood that's not your thing this probably wasn't for you but it's called blood and gut so I kind of expected that um, the crowd was loud. I thought the Pinnacle winning was the right call. I thought it could go either way, and it would have been fine to the Inner Circle winning. The spot at the end, it wasn't that Jericho should have killed himself doing it, obviously. It was the fact that they shot it terribly. Like, it should not have been shot the way that it was shot. And WWE makes production errors all the time uh, due to Kevin Dunn. But, you know, AEW should have known better here. That just looked terrible. Um, but I do like, in theory, though, the idea of Jericho being written off the show. So where do you think this leaves the inner circle? Do you think Jericho's disappearing for a little while? I mean, again, the the bump looks so bad that if he popped up next week, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset. You know, like he's perfect. Like Eddie Kingston showing up after Revolution was perfectly fine because he obviously wasn't hurt by it. That was a different kind of botch. This just didn't look great. Um, do you think Jericho takes some time off and we get MJF and Sammy Guevara in the meantime, or where do you think we go from here? Because I would assume you got to get the Pinnacle or at least MJF on the pay per view. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like you said, maybe do him and him and Sammy in the interim. Or the thing is, I just don't like the issue. Like, the feud like was fine. It's fine for what it was, but like, this is what I fear. It's like the blood and guts is supposed to be like the end all be all. So like, are they just gonna do like MGF and Sammy in their interim, and then like bring Jericho back and continue it? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't. I yeah, I would just do him and Sammy just to get on the card. Um. But, I mean, I don't need to see Jericho and MGF again, but that's probably where they're going to go to again. But I don't even know what's I don't even know what's accomplished with that. Just because, I don't know, dude. I just feel like with, with something like that, it's an issue because we already saw the match previously. You know, like, we already got the full gear and MGF won. So it's not even like Jericho won and MGF gets his win back. Like, what's accomplished from MGF winning again or beating him again, especially after winning, um, you know, especially after already beating him? At full gear and beating him inside flood uh, and, and flooding guts inside blood and guts like what's really accomplished there you know? Yeah, I mean, because if they don't do him and Sammy, like what do you really do with him next? I mean, mm -hmm. he already feel like they're gonna go back to him and Jungle Boy again, like they did that last. Uh, <laughs> they did that a lot last year, yeah. And yeah, that was a double or nothing last year. Like, are they gonna do him in pockets? I hope not. I mean. I just, they don't have a, they don't really have a ton of heels. Like, you're not going to do him and Hangman. Like, that story is, like, they're already, he's already busy doing something else. I'm assuming K Christian Cage is with, is, they'll probably do him and Hangman versus Team Taz at, at uh, Double or Nothing. So, like, he's tied up. 
I mean, you're not going to do him and Moxley or him and Kingston. They're tied up right now. I mean, if anything, it's just some underneath guy unless you do him and Sammy, which I just feel like if you do him and Sammy, I, I guess he could be, like, fighting for Jericho's honor for Jericho since he got hurt. But, like, if you beat Sammy, are they going to do him and Jericho again? Like, you shouldn't be losing to Sammy. So, I don't really know. I feel like they kind of sometimes do this, that they just book themselves into a hole and they're just like, oh, we're going to do this now. And, like, this. I just don't really know what to do at this point. Like, I could do him and Pac. I mean, Pac's not even really a babyface. He's more of like a heel. And mm-hmm. no, I just, I don't know. I, I guess you do him and Sammy, or hopefully they just do that and just move on. But then what do you do with the whole faction at that point? What are they gonna face the fucking Hardy compound? Like, come on, the <laughs> Hardy compound. Yeah. Jericho and Matt Hardy facing fucking terrible factions against each other. Yeah, but the problem here is that you build up one heel stable, and then the other top stable in the company is another heel stable. You know, so, like, who do they feud with? Are they going to feud with the Elite? Like, that's heel versus heel, so they wouldn't do that, would they? Like, I think, honestly, I think the Pinnacle should have won here, but wouldn't it have made more sense to have the Inner Circle win and build up Jericho? Because Jericho is, I mean, again, he's established. He doesn't need to win, really, at all. But, like, then you could build the Jericho and Omega 3 because they never had the rubber match. I feel like that would be, like, that would make a little more sense, would it not? It would, but, I mean, at this point, I'm, I... I mean, at this point, Jericho at and Omega's this, a at joke. This state, Jer- yeah, exactly. At this state, like, I think they're especially... I think that it's that, that ship sailed that ship, that ship sailed a while ago. I don't, I don't think they'd go back to Jericho and Omega anytime soon because I just don't think that's where the story is at this point. I just... Uh, and I, like I said, Jericho's been means little to nothing last like since the, he lost the belt. His fucking AEW career has been a fucking joke. I mean, like you said, <laughs> I couldn't even tell you last time he won on pay per view. I mean, he's been in weird feuds. It's kind of like Cody. Cody kind of just been all over the place. So Cody's been we'll even worse. Oh my god. I mean, he's been. The thing is, he's been even worse. He's been like seventeen up team million feuds. I mean. He just goes week to week to week. It's just all over the place. But I would just do Sammy and MJF, I guess, in the interim. But then from there, I don't really know what you do with them, like you said, because they're not going to feud with, like, the next biggest faction that they could face is the Elite. And I just, the, the story's just not there. And they're to- both heels. I mean, doesn't really make much sense, but. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, and then overall, again, I liked Blood and Guts. I thought it was a really good match. Uh, I had some criticisms of it. Uh, I think we all did. But I think overall, it was a very good match, and they delivered on the stipulation. Um, I think it was more of the original War Games than what we've seen in NXT, but I enjoyed the NXT versions as well. So, um, if they can kind of, whenever they do this again, and I'm sure they will down the road, hopefully they can kind of work on some of those criticisms, then uh, all will be fine. But I thought this was a, uh, a great main event, though. But we got to get to the other talking point from this show, and I thought it was a very good show overall. Um, but we're going to have a number one contenders match next week for the World Championship between Orange Cassidy and Pack, with the winner facing Omega for the AEW top title at the pay-per-view. So we talked about this briefly before we went live here, dude, but this is where the power rankings, I think, kind of become problematic because, yeah, these guys have been winning a lot lately on Dark, but, like, they have no momentum as far as Dynamite is concerned. Orange was in the, um, what feud was it? The Miro and Kip Sabian feud, like, a month or two ago. And now I'm supposed to take him seriously as a championship challenger, especially to Omega? Like, the TNT title is enough of a, kind of a stretch for, for the Cassidy character. To put him up against Omega, no matter how funny people think that match would be, as a pay-per-view main event, I'm sorry, but that's a joke. Yeah, I, I mean... 
that 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 whole segment of Omega, like them saying who he's gonna face, and then fucking pockets coming out, like that's like that's something they could have trimmed from the show, and then gave more time to blood and guts, and maybe nixed a few more commercials out. But I mean, it's really come at the end of the day, it really makes wins and losses. They do matter, I guess, but they don't really go with the quality wins because. Like I told you before, I love Ty Conti, but I mean, she beat like eight local talents on Dark, and all of a sudden she's fighting for the title. I mean, I don't watch Dark, but I mean, that's where Orange Cassidy's got a lot of his wins, same with Pac, and I mean, that doesn't really mean shit to any of us, because they're not quality wins. You're beating local competitors or enhancement talent, so, I mean, who cares at that point? Yeah, I mean, at least with at least with Ty, though, she beat Nyla Rose on Dynamite, and she beat the um she beat the bunny so she had two big wins there pack i mean who is he beating on dynamite i know he lost he beat ryan nemeth a couple of months ago he lost the tag team title shot i i didn't he win one other match on the show recently like he hasn't had a lot of direction since coming back he feuded with eddie kingston he beat him once or twice and that was that uh, i don't even know if, eh, i think they did do the match i think he beat him pretty sure he beat him and then I don't know, he really hasn't done a lot lately, and neither has Orange Cassidy. Again, he's been doing the tag team thing, but aside from winning on Dark, he hasn't done shit on Dynamite. I don't think you should be required to watch Dark and Dark Elevation. I don't think they should be required viewing. It should be supplementary viewing. So these wins don't really mean anything, and um, even Pac and Omega, for as big of a match as that is, should feel like a bigger deal. And currently, they haven't built it up at all, and they have like literally two or three weeks until the pay-per-view. I think we have... Three more dynamites until the show. We have the uh, the twelfth, the nineteenth, and the twenty sixth. So we have three more dynamites left, and they got to build this matchup very quickly, regardless of who it's going to be. So I'm not a big fan of that. Um, the rest of the show kind of was what it was: Moxley and Kingston beating Omega and uh, Nakazawa, likely building to a tag team title opportunity at the pay per view. Britt Baker ping up, uh, picking up another win. Cody Rhodes beating. QT Marshall, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page attacking Darby Allen, and SCU becoming the tag team uh, number one contenders for next week against the Bucks. Uh, so anything among those segments, and also Miro announcing that he's facing Darby Allen next week for the TNT title. So anything among those segments really stood out to you from Dynamite last night? I mean, Miro facing Darby Allen seems completely random. I mean, not that I care, because I think that's where he should be positioned, but like Darby's clearly feuding with him and him and Sting are feuding with Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, and then all of a sudden Miro's like, oh, I got a title match. Like, completely random, but whatever. Um, what else did you say? So those, Cody and Marshall was another one. Cody and Marshall, fine for what it was. I mean, it went a little long. Should have just been like a quick squash. QT's a fucking loser. <laughs> um, go one-punching him, I mean, is what it is. I just think we talked about this before. I think it's going to be very problematic. Like, if they're facing it all out, which it's or not all double or nothing, which seems like that's what the, where the story's going. I mean, is he just gonna one punch Cody and beat him? Like, is he just gonna knock out like Moxley and Omega with one mm-hmm. punch? I just don't really get it. Or is he gonna actually wrestle? So interesting to see how that goes. The whole elite shit. I mean, that's a fast forward material for me. Like, just because they dress like jackasses doesn't mean they're heels. I just don't care. And every time I see the good brothers, I groan. <laughs> they're the grown brothers. I'm just like, dude. I, I, like, don't mind Carl Anderson. Luke Gallows just does nothing for me. And, like, them walking out with, like, cabbie hats, like, who gives a shit? I honestly fast-forward through all the late stuff. They, like, it's like, I just, I have go-away heat with them. What are you talking about? Too sweet. Yes. Club, like, them in the Hardy com- Yeah, every time I see them in the Hardy compound, I fast-forward. <laughs> the Hardy compound. 
Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know where they're going. But the thing is with the Elite shit, like, where are they even going with this, though? Obviously, Paige is being built up to oppose Omega at some point. But there's no real there's no real babyface faction that can feud with these guys. The Inner Circle are fucking losers. So, like, maybe that would make sense because they were feuding initially when, when Dynamite first came on the air. But, like, at this point, I couldn't care less about that even being a thought in my mind. So, I, I don't know. I just... The elite stuff is weird. I, the Bucks go back and forth. They were they were faces and their heels and their heels again and that, that they're being faces. It's just bizarre to me. Um, the Rhodes and Marshall stuff is a complete waste of time. I actually really enjoyed the show overall, but like Rhodes and Marshall was fine for what it was. But a Gogo and Rhodes, a Gogo I assume is going over, but I don't know. They just it doesn't seem like they have a lot of like long term vision of what to do with these people is the problem. I think that's the, the biggest issue they run into. And WWE does the exact same thing. Um, but as far as next week is concerned, two big title matches advertised. You think Miro is taking the TNT title? Uh, Yeah, I mean, the way the story's going, I think that's what they're going to do. I mean, if Scorpio and Sting are still kind of tied up with Ethan Page and, and, and uh, Scorpio, I guess they could... I mean, I don't think Miro's going to lose, so... They could just have them kind of run in, cause distraction. I, I mean, I don't really want to see this, but I guess you could do them at double or nothing. I mean, don't really want to see Sting in the ring in 2021, but maybe we'll get him and uh, Darby versus them too. Miro, I, I guess. I just really, who is he going to face? Like, he's going to face Kip. I hope not. Mm-hmm. Like, Jumper Boy, I mean, he's eaten a ton of losses already. We're not already seeing him in fucking pockets. I mean, who else do you have him face? Like Lance Archer? No. I mean, also, like, where do you put Lance Archer? Like, he was kind of there, too. I mean, who fucking knows, GSM? <laughs> I think Miro's winning the title, and I, I don't think it's as random as he made it sound like because he's been saying for weeks now he wants a champion. He's been calling out champions for a couple weeks now. It doesn't matter who has a fucking title. I guess Sakura is included in that. It didn't matter who had a title. He was coming after you. So, uh, I mean, it, it was a little random because he hasn't won a lot of matches on, on Dynamite. But still, I mean, it, to me, it makes a little bit of sense. And I want to yeah, see him be the one. Yeah, who's going to face? That's my thing. It's like, okay, he wants to go for a title to win. Like, who's he going to face, though? Well, all the people you mentioned, as far as double or nothing is concerned, I don't know. I mean, I think he can face. He can face Orange Cassidy. He can face Jungle Boy. Lance Archer's an option. Um, Cody Rhodes is an option too if you put him back in that scene I mean they have a couple of people Allen if he continues to chase it I think they're taking the belt off of Darby to build the tag team match at the pay-per-view that, that's why I think they're doing this I mean that's fucking stupid if that's what they're doing but okay I, mean, I just I, like yeah. I don't need to see like he already faced one cast like, I don't need to see that Cody yeah but like what's he just gonna contend for the TNT title every time he loses it like, he can't on. go for the world title can he <laughs> I mean yeah. I mean, talk about booking yourself into a fucking corner. I mean, how, how dumb is that stipulation in retrospect? We could be talking about Cody as the number one contender to the world championship right now. Yeah, it's dumb. Very stupid. dumb. Stupid. Stupid. Um, SCU, they're over next week, right? Who cares? Who cares? They've been together for a decade. <laughs> I honestly don't care. Kids they're never been an SCU never fan. They won on dark for like three weeks <laughs> i like the storyline but they should not have been only doing it on dino or on dark and dark elevation is the problem like they have not told this story on dynamite in months many many months so i think that's a big problem um as we wind down here there really is not a lot to break down from raw it was a better show slightly than usual with a bit more going on than normal but the big talking point coming out of the show was that we have the return of eva marie to wwe what were your thoughts on this 
I know you're excited for it. I mean, all read everything. Can't, can't, can't wait. Is uh, <laughs> Phil Dane that tatted up guy from Total Divas? Yeah, I said this. I mean, what, what are the odds that Mark Carano would get canned right before Eva Marie comes back? He must be devastated. <laughs> I saw the vignettes and started dying laughing. I was like, Jesus. But the, here's the thing, though, and I think when we talked about this many months ago when she first got, you know, it was reported she was coming back. You know, I don't, I'm not an Eva Marie fan, but I think if you find the right role for her, she can be serviceable. Like, I think if she's a manager for someone, and my idea was always that she would manage someone like Angel Garza, because Garza was doing, like, that secret admirer shit for a while. I think those two, like, chef's kiss. I think it's a perfect pairing. I don't think Garza really needs anyone, but I think if you put her with anyone, I think that'd be perfect. As long as Jonathan doesn't get jealous, I think Angel Garza and Eva Marie would be a perfect pairing. Um, her husband or her fucking boyfriend or whatever the hell he is to her. Um, but anyway, so if, if she's wrestling though, I think that's the absolute last thing that Raw needs right now is another abysmal in-ring performer to add along with Lana and Nia Jax and Ni- uh, not Naomi. Naomi's good. Um, Dana Brooke. Oh God. Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, I just, Eva <sighs> Marie. Oh my goodness. Maybe she <laughs> went to the school that, uh, that Ariane went to. to Stop. You mean the school that, that, that got Cameron back in the ring and then we haven't seen her back in the ring since then? <laughs> how, so how well did that tournament work out for AEW to be doing a women's tag team tournament only for the eventual winners to end up on Dynamite, or not end up on Dynamite, to end up on Dark and then one of them got fired? It's great. Love it. More exposure for the women. I like Eva Lee, but she is completely done in wrestling. <laughs> I think it's safe to say. Yeah, I think her and Austin Aries are both done. Yeah, I, th- I think they're damaged goods at this point. Uh, Mansoor making his main roster debut. How random was that? I mean, I know they've been grooming him for a while as someone who watches main event. I figured they would add him to the main roster eventually. But that came completely out of nowhere on Monday. Yeah, it was completely random. I really don't care either. So we'll see where it goes. But the guys, just, they just put him on the Saudi shows to get everyone happy. No, I think... I think um... I think he's good. I like Mansoor. Hopefully he can add to the mid-card division. He's still new, and I'm surprised they didn't give him a real run in NXT first, but maybe they just had no plans for him there, I guess. I don't I don't know, but <clears throat> that was the, um, yeah, so we had that, and I again, his streak is already over, apparently. He was doing interviews today where he acknowledged that. <laughs> he's 49-1, and one, so like the first match he comes back to the main roster, he fucking loses, which is just hilarious. Typical Raw. Um, Charlotte Flair added to the Raw Women's Championship match of the pay-per-view. Does that surprise you at all, Mr. Marceau? No, not at all. Thoughts on it? I just don't care, DSM. Raw is Raw's getting better, but, I mean, they have their faults, so... There's really not a lot to talk from the show itself. It's just, uh, it is what it is at this point. But real quickly from NXT, I thought it was a great show this week. The top two matches delivered. The return of Finn Balor, the NXT championship scene heating up. Matches advertised for next week. A really good show overall. Um, I thought the opener with Leon Ruff and Isaiah Swerve Scott the Falls can anywhere match was fucking great. Um, he has his own stable now, which... You know, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite here. I don't like, I don't like too many factions, but we did get the dissolution of... Um, Undisputed Era, so if you want to fill that void with another faction, fine. I think there was another faction. Oh, we're getting this Diamond faction thing, too, so... I will say, I mean, they're they're debuting a lot of factions. I don't want them to approach AEW territory here. 
But I like Isaiah having a couple friends. Um, and then we also have the way Candice and India as the new NXT Women's Tag Team Champions with a win in the Street Fight Main Event against Ember Moon and Chazzy Blackheart. So, uh, what were your overall thoughts in NXT from this week, Mister Marcel? I thought the show was good. Like you said, I'm not a huge faction guy, but uh, with the Undisputed Era disbanding and uh, this new group, I mean, I think it's just gonna be like a little mid card faction, so nothing crazy. But uh, I thought the show was good. I, I liked, uh, not that I liked it, but the way winning kind of kind of wrote itself. They've already contended a few times, so they lost. I mean, might as well just go to go back to Evolve or go to the Indies at that point. <laughs> Like six times, they don't have any other tag teams anyway. So yeah, they have no other teams. That team, like hindsight, that was a terrible decision to have their own division. They have no tag; they have two teams. I mean, it was a terrible decision in foresight too. I mean, we were talking at the time about how how dumb of a decision it was to introduce women's tag team titles. For as good as this division is, they have no teams. I mean, they're, they're going to bring in Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter to go for the belt five times. I mean, they literally have three teams in that division. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, love the, the love the, uh, the the title picture though. They have a ton of guys in there. I think they're all credible, so that should be fun. Um, Balor coming back is great, and I'm interested to see this diamond mine. I'm very interested in the diamond mine. So, who do you think is going to be in it? I don't really know. Like I said, I, I said last week it might be all uh, uh, the Gable Stevenson kid, the the Brock Lesnar lookalike. Parker, <laughs> Parker Bordeaux or whatever his name is. And then Steiner's kid. Like I said, I think it'd be good, like three like actual shooters or just like athletes and kind of like the varsity club back in WCW. I think that'd be pretty interesting. Not the varsity blondes. No, the varsity blondes are terrible. What? Leave Brian Pillman Jr. alone. <laughs> He's got enough issues with his mom. Leave him alone. Um, yeah. Literally no chance I think Tess is involved in this, which is probably for the better at this point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You see other rumors from the last... I mean, I died, dude. All these companies are like... All these rumors are like, oh, yeah, you know, she might be in talks in the next year. She might be in talks in the AEW. And then people are coming out and saying like, yeah, no, we don't really want her here. So I think that kind of... I think that that speaks volumes as to the top two companies wanting nothing to do with Tessa Blanchard, who has a lot of potential, or at least did. I mean, I think she still does. She's only 24, 25 years old. Um, They want nothing to do with her. I think that speaks volumes. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to be her... But I think if you, like I said, you got like a kind of like an amateur wrestler or amateur football or kind of collegiate group together, I think it'd work. Like I said, kind of like the varsity club on WCW back in the day. I think that's just a good concept. Like three badasses just works. And then I think they could use more realism and just kind of put them in a platform and not just kind of their own. Kind of like an American Alpha on steroids, basically. Yeah. Um, Teddy Biasi showing up for the second straight week, maybe third. I'm pretty sure this was the second straight week that we saw in the Million Dollar Man. Uh, is he becoming the new manager for Grimes, or is this just a comedy you know, segment? They probably filmed all this stuff at once, but what do you think they're doing with those two? I think right now it's just comedy, but I think they could get him as a manager. I think he, maybe he gets one over on the Million Dollar Man, and everyone has a price, right? So maybe he gets him, uh, somehow gets him and kind of traps him, and he becomes his manager somehow, so... That, I think that that'd be imagine that like he got one over on the million dollar man and now he's his manager. I think it writes itself, GSM. What if he buys out Teddy Biasi's like fund or whatever, and then he's like, "Listen, now you have to, now you have to like be my servant or something like that." You know what I mean? Yeah, something like that. Like I said, gets one over on him, and yeah. that's what they did. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. Something like when uh, remember when Shawn Michaels had to <laughs> had to listen to JBL because he 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 got broke with the stock market or some shit like that. Like Shawn Michaels made some bad investments. Big Show too. He was like, yeah, I, I went broke and I lost my house, so now I have to listen to Triple H or some shit like that. I feel like they did this storyline all the time. 
Yeah. God they did it with uh, Shawn Michaels. Yeah, it was like him and his wife and JBL. He was like JBL's <laughs> servant for like a week. Yeah, for like a week before they moved on from it. So they they do this they, they do that shit a lot. But I think it has potential, Teddy Biasi though. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I thought it was a good show overall. We're getting, I think, two title matches next week. We are getting Mercedes Martinez and Raquel Gonzalez for the NXT Women's Championship. Safe to say that's a win for Raquel, right? Yes. In the Cruiserweight Championship, Kushida and Santos Escobar, two out of three falls match for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. That sounds like it's going to be amazing. Yeah, it should be a great match. I mean, big Santos Escobar guy. Hope he loses here. I know how weird that sounds, but no, I he agree. needs to go bigger and better things. And uh, I think he could go towards the North American Championship. I mean, I, I love Escobar. So, I mean, I think Bronson Reed's probably the next guy, but I mean, him contending is just, I, I'm a big fan of him. What star in Spanish? I think it's Estrella. That's exactly what he is. Yeah, I don't know Spanish too well, but yeah, I'll go with that. Did you do French in high school and college, or, or in, uh, in high school? French in high school, and I don't remember much of it. Besides, can I go to the bathroom? So that's how we go. Did you do French because of like your your like nationality or whatever? Because most people, I'd pick Spanish because it was the easiest thing to do. Yeah, I don't know. I I just thought it, I just wanted to take French. Now looking at it, I'm like, probably should take it Spanish. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I did Spanish for like six years, dude, including like one or two AP classes. I don't remember a like I don't probably know more about Spanish than you do, <laughs> like counting to ten, and that's probably about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the greatest. I'm not the greatest uh, foreign language. Like I said, I know hello, goodbye, can't go to the bathroom, some small stuff, but it just like I feel like one of those things. Like I wasn't in it too long. I think we had to take it like twice, two years and college or two years in high, uh, middle school and like two, you only had to take two years in high school and then once i was done my sophomore year i was like i can't i'm not fluent like i don't really know a lot of it so i'm just like yeah i'm done with it and then wow. i just lost yeah i had to do it all all six or seven years i did it from all of middle school all the way through all the way through high school i, I could tell you now though i am not taking hugo's job at commentary <laughs> wwe i don't even think it's still there anymore but or Alex Abrahanta is his job in AEW. I'll tell you that right now. I'm not good at Spanish at all. But this has been great, Mr. Marcel. We'll catch up next week. Um, I don't think... Oh, no. Next week is WrestleMania Backlash Week. So we'll do predictions for that pay-per-view next week here on the show. Uh, people can check out new episodes every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Podbean. You can rate the show, review the show, and subscribe to the show. And Mr. Marcel, little birdie told me, that being you, um, that you and the missus are coming by CT in a couple weeks. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, see you in a couple weeks. Mr. Marcel, reunion, WrestleRant Radio, reunion of GSR, what is it, GSM2RJ, or GS2RJ, what is it? GSM2RJ. GSM2RJ. My my shirt is still burning in the garbage can as we speak. Wow, GSM. <laughs> All right, it's Mr. Marcel. still waiting for mine to ship in. What'd you say? Wait for mine to ship in. Uh, the shipping's taking a little longer with the new rewards program. It might be it might be a couple more months. Oh Jesus! Keep an eye out for it. But I'll catch you next week, Mr. Marceau. Enjoy the weekend, and I'll catch your ass down the road. See you later.